Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. And again, I'm speaking with James Bolton, counterinsurgency expert uh, who deals on a regular basis with hostile political environments and also with developing methods to deal with insurgencies and counterinsurgencies. Let's say we are we are in 1775. What what are the lessons of 1775, or, or the techniques? What do we have to do now uh, to be successful, like our founders were in 1775? Well, you know it's interesting. I got a I got an email from that same uh, FBI investigator the other day, and. He knows basically what the kind of things I've been teaching and encouraging people to do. Um, I did a little bit of discussion with him about what I call Op 1775. That's just what I'm calling it for myself. Someone else can call it wherever they want. But he told me on the email, prepare to fight, James. He said, I know that there's a lot of other things we need to do, but you need to be prepared to fight because – this, everything moves so rapidly today, we really don't know how much time we have. Um, when a communist and socialist insurgency reaches a certain point, and we are in what we call a fifth stage of insurgency right now, and there's only one more, and that's normalization. That's the last stage. We're in the fifth stage right now where most of the activity takes place. And um, things can happen very quickly, especially today, as you pointed out with technology and things. So we really, we really need to step up right now. We don't have any more time to second guess and, and, and ponder the, the condition or the situations that, that we're facing. We really don't. Um, and I would like to say before I get into the specifics, Dr. Dan, of what you're asking me, um, if you'll forgive me here, I, I, there's a, just a couple of things I want to get out here. Um, one of the things I feel very strongly about is that people need to understand that there is both historical and biblical precedence for what I'm going to suggest. Um, our founders knew this in their day, and many of us know it now, because we are literally fighting for our very life and our freedom right now. And I hope everyone out there understands that we are. But it seems more complex to people today. Most people's mentality and view of war is, oh, someone's – a, a, 
a massive force is going to cross the border. A massive force is going to hit the beaches and we're going to be bombed and, and attacked. And they think of the uh, traditional mindset of, of wars of the past. But wars today are very complex. They're political in nature and they deal with low intensity conflicts and everything you're seeing and experiencing now, crisis and any kind of catalyst they can use to move people to do what they want them to do without using lethal force. But don't count out the lethal force because eventually it's always used for stubborn elements. And that's, that's just historical. I'm not making this up. That's how it works. Um, so having said that, Dr. Dan, um, I'm going to what I, move into what I call a level one application, which has four primary actions. And, um, you know, and my own personal standpoint, section one is a very simple one. I would always encourage everyone first before we do anything else. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Seek the Lord. That's the first thing we all need to do is seek the Lord. I encourage people when I stand up in front of them all the time to confess your sins daily because we need to clean out our own house before I believe God's going to help us clean up our land. I believe that's got to happen very first thing. I believe we also need to repent of our social and political biases. We have too many biases, too many uh, things against other people. Uh, Dr. Dan, lately I have talked to Democrats and Republicans alike. They are all upset about what's going on. The news media is misrepresenting this fact. They're at, the news media exasperates that, oh, most Americans feel a certain way, but that's a lie, and you know that, of course. That that's a lie. So we need to not be biased against other people uh, of different beliefs and, and things like that right now, because we need all hands on deck right now. And if people that aren't normally in your party or your way of thinking are willing to stand up with you for freedom and for liberty, for their businesses, the economy, all those things, then don't throw that away. We need it all. We need all that power. In the same manner, I would ask people to very briefly pray for those on the front lines of this battle, like you, Dr. Dan, like myself and others. There's, there's a prolifera of men and women out here today that are taking a stand. And I know some of them personally, and some of them are doing this at great cost and great sacrifice. And we need to be praying for those people. And we need to be praying for courage to, to commit to this, to what needs to take place. We need commitment. One thing I learned early in counterinsurgency training was that it's a simple phrase, the most determined wins. I've, I've told people that for years. Um, I don't think it's really sunk in too much, but the most determined always wins. The reason the Islamists have been so successful in proliferating Islam around this world over the last uh, two or three decades, and they have been terribly successful, um, is they're dedicated to their cause. If people who love freedom and liberty were that dedicated to it, I believe we would have a very good chance of turning this thing around. And I think that can still happen. Secondly, as we've all been practicing, or I know you, Dr. Dan, and many of your people have been practicing this, is noncompliance. Noncompliance is both constitutional and biblical. I don't have time to preach a sermon right now, but um, I was talking to a pastor the other day, Dr. Dan, and I had that discussion with him, and he agreed with me. Noncompliance is is biblical, and it's also constitutional. Um, moving on, compliance is compromise, and compromise leads to loss. It, it always does. 
And look where we're at today. Look at all the compromises taking place. We're, that, that's, it's killing us. The more people who refuse to be driven by falsehoods and fear, um, the greater our capacity to resist becomes. We saw this happen in Germany in World War II. We saw it happen in other places. And that's exactly what they're trying to do to us right now. They're, they're trying to uh, create mass division between people, create factionalism in our society. And that, as you have already mentioned, creates people, it creates a condition where people d- don't feel that they have the power to resist at all. And if too, if too many people fail to resist, uh, we will not be afforded the time we need to organize greater and, and carry on more effective uh, operations. And of course, the Constitution outlines the authority of government in this country, freedom of choice, assembly, and to be individually secure in your person, place, and things is your God-given and lawful right. Your right to protect yourself, defend others, and, and purchase the necessities for survival are protected by law. But those laws are not being enforced right now, which is another indicator we need to think about. We don't have that protection right now, necessarily. Um, I try to get across to as many people as I can that governors cannot make law nor force you to do anything that you believe is harmful or immoral or unlawful. Neither can any law enforcement or judge. None of these people have the right under our laws to do those things. Um, You know, and as far as noncompliance goes, you know, we need to be able to articulate these understandings to others why we're being noncompliant. I've had some great conversations with people at the grocery store. They ask you why you're not wearing a mask. And I don't, I'm not offended by that when somebody asks me that. Not at all. I'm not offended. It gives me an opportunity to talk to them. We've actually had some success doing that. We've turned a lot of people and I've seen them again later and they weren't wearing a mask. So, you know, this is the simple side of things that I'm talking about right now. But these are the kind of little things that we need to be doing. We need to be talking to people. Um, when our elected and appointed government officials fail to secure liberty and obey the law, you have no recourse but righteous defiance. You have no recourse but noncompliance. And again, we've got to remember that every state's first article states the people retain all political power. Um, these are all things I think most of the people that you and I talk to, Dr. Dan, know about. But we need to we need to put those things into action on a common everyday basis in our life before we move into more So, James Bolton, I think that's a, a, a really a great thing to talk about noncompliance. Um, and that really strikes at the the concept of individual freedom because yeah. um Let's take an example of of our state in North Carolina. Okay, our governor, a liberal Democrat who uh, is a dictator, and he puts out a a, a list of requirements. Let's say com- on the on the COVID uh, business that's that's currently their their number one weapon uh, for to force compliance, uh, and yet in our constitution allows us. Uh, rights. The Bill of Rights is, is what is probably the most important part of the entire Constitution when it comes to our rights versus the government. How? What is the relationship between the government and our, 
and, and each individual person. That's the Bill of Rights. So when the Bill of Rights says you have the right of free speech, you have the right, the, the Congress shall make uh, no law about the establishment of religion or, or law that prevents the free expression thereof. And when that is in the Bill of Rights and when the governor says you can't have church, that is a direct conflict with the Constitution and the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of North Carolina. So noncompliance does mean, uh, yes, you have church. You talk to your pastor, you'd say, look, people who are uncomfortable with that concept, fine. You can stay home, you can do it by phone, however you want. But if you believe that you do have that right to go to church, then you go to church and we will have a service. We will do our best to protect everyone so that people don't get sick. But nevertheless, my right says I can go to church and you cannot interfere with that right. So that is one area where uh, <clears throat> some people have uh, tried to have noncompliance uh, with some success. Uh, so, again, we, what you're saying is, is really important for people to understand. And that is, when you are compliant to do that, you are of necessity compromising your rights and your beliefs. When you are non-compliant in in making sure that you can exercise your rights, you are completely in the right because God and the Constitution, which was divinely inspired, and the Bill of Rights say you do have these natural law, God-given rights. And the only the main the main job of government is to protect and secure those natural law rights. So I'm very happy that you've talked about noncompliance because that is an important thing that we must undertake. Noncompliance means that you are complying with God's law. That's correct. And I think it's more important than we realize, even, even at that, because if we're going to do anything else, if we're going to step up into a different level of activity that's going to help save this country, we've definitely got to start there. <laughs> if we can't get past noncompliance, I don't know what else you could possibly do. Um, that that certainly has to be a first level. Um, and then, you know, beyond noncompliance, I've talked about seeking Lord and noncompliance, but also we need to be engaging and enlisting people into our like-minded uh, corral here, to our movement, if you want to call it a movement. Um, I don't, I haven't, as yet, I've said this before to you, that across the nation, we've had emergence, which is the first part of a, a movement where they emerge, but we've never had consolidation or solidification of a movement in this country yet. And I'm hoping that because of the crisis that we're facing today, that, that we're going to see that. Uh, but I think one part of this is engage and enlist. And what I mean by that is I would, I would say this, that opportunity waits for no man. Right now, 
there are a proliferate of business owners and others who have been seriously damaged by the COVID restrictions, and all all of which are basically unconstitutional. We've had three judges in Washington State say that, yet the media refuses to report it. And the media continues to exasperate and exaggerate the conditions as well as promote unlawful edicts of the governor and other officials. But they have yet to report the fact that three federal judges in Washington state have shot down the governor's edicts and said they are all unconstitutional and and have literally said, Dr. Dan, exactly what you've already covered that you can't tell people what to do in their personal and private lives and in their worship settings and all of those kind of places. And it's ama- it's just astounding. It should be a massive indicator for people to see that why aren't these being reported? Why aren't these facts being reported on TV? Because the media, I'm, I'm just going to say it like it is, the media is the enemy. And if we haven't figured that out by now, God help us. The media is the enemy. And we, we need to understand that, and that'll play into uh, uh, more of a, a, a section two or level two uh, scenario. But uh, that, that's something we need to just go ahead and accept that the media is the enemy. So right now, as far as engaging and enlisting people, millions are ripe for harvest. I've never seen so many people ready to do something. Right now, down here in Spokane, we have uh, – a proliferate of new groups starting up, and, and they don't really have anything to do with me or any of the people that I know, but but just a whole bunch of new groups starting up because they don't know what else to do. These people need guidance because already, Dr. Dan, they are doing the same old things that all the groups did before without success. Um, they're taking the easy road, and well, since I said that, the easy road is never the right road. Some people don't understand that, but it, it never is. I learned that in the Marines. Uh, the easy road is never the right road because usually you don't get any positive action out of the easy road. You don't have any uh, positive objectives on the easy road. It's just a comfortable uh, tour of the problem, and you don't really ever address the actual issues or attack the center of gravity of your enemy, and that's something you have to do. Um, so, but right now, Dr. Dan, there are millions of people looking for leadership. They're looking for someone to point them in the right direction. And if the people listening to this radio program can do one thing, start talking to these people, start talking to people who've been harmed by this, start telling them, yes, we can be overcomers. We, we, we can work together and figure this thing out. There are ways of doing this. But generally, people need to be reaching out to family and friends and neighbors and imploring them to support these cooperative efforts. So, James Bolton, we're at level one applications, four primary actions. Number one, seek the Lord. Number two, noncompliance. Number three, engage and enlist. We've discussed those. Number four, activate OP1775 and that is where the real work begins. Right. So tell us, what is OP Operation 1775? What do we do? Okay, that is basically serves as the introduction for Level 1, Section 2, which is basically a brief uh, counterintelligence um, operations training. 
And it actually, of course, I'm going to discuss actual things that we really need to be doing. And so, but as far as activating um, number four, um, we want to, we need to be developing an intelligence, counterintelligence capacity. Now, you tell people that and it kind of scares them. It's like, oh, this is cloak and dagger. Well, yes and no. It doesn't have to be. But because mainly what takes place in most of these operations around the world, no matter what people see on the movies and what they think, is most of it's based on political leverage. They're, they're always they're – always, I can say that with pretty good authority. They're always leverage operations, and anyone can learn to do that. And the purpose of that is to strengthen your center of gravity. And what your center of gravity is basically what gives you the capacity to be successful. And our founders in 1775, they understood that they were getting ready to fight the world at that time, the world's greatest power. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning.